Welcome to the Garden Chapel Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Peter, and with me today is Jacob Brink, our pastoral intern, and we are catching you up on this teen Sunday school class. Today, we're talking about some theological terms and ideas brought up in class. We're looking at the two concepts of Calvinism and Arminianism and what they believe. Jacob and I will be making these things practical for teens and why they need to know about these theological concepts and what the Bible actually has to say about some various issues. Today, we're taking a look at the terms limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. So Jacob, what do we need to know about the concept of limited atonement today? Yes, this idea of limited atonement is pretty much uh, for who did Christ die? That's the main question that we're asking here when we talk about limited atonement. And Calvinism is giving the idea that Christ's death is only for the elect, only for who God chose beforehand. This is who Christ died for, where Arminianism would say that Christ's death was for all. It satisfied everyone who had ever been, uh, who had ever walked before Christ, whoever walked after him. Just this idea of his death was sufficient for all mankind. So this is kind of the uh, main topic on limited atonement. Okay, yeah, and this whole thought of Christ dying for all is probably the most biblical view of it because we know that Christ died for all sins, uh, both past, present, and future. The Old Testament saints were looking forward to the the ultimate sacrifice of the Messiah. They were looking for God's provision of salvation from sin. Today, we look back at his salvation, and it's actually pretty appropriate that we're talking about this today because Easter is just coming up. And that is when we focus on this sacrifice that God made for us. Um, So with limited atonement, um, we talked a little bit about the biblical view here. Christ did die for all. What does the Bible actually have to say about that, Jacob? Yeah, so we went through multiple different verses in Sunday school this past week. But the first one that we talked about was 1 John 2.2, which says he died for the sins of the whole world. And not just uh, certain people, but everyone. Uh, 1 John 4.14 talks about how he's the savior of the whole world. Uh, Hebrews 2.9 gives the idea that it was for every man, not just certain people. And that um, when you go into 1 Timothy 2.5-6, it talks about how his death was a sufficient payment for all, not just uh, one person or a couple people, it was for everyone. So this idea of, uh, like, if you look at Calvinism, this Calvinistic viewpoint doesn't really line up with what God's Word says. Yeah, they do have to bend some verses there to kind of fit it. Uh, the one that we all have probably memorized is John 3.16, For God so loved the world. And there's a lot of people who actually change that meaning of the word world to elect. Well, God died just for the elect. But no, the, the word there, world, encompasses the entire concept of every single person in this world. So it's very key to understand all of that. When we're talking about practicality of this theological concept, we need to understand that anyone and everyone can be saved. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because he died for everyone out there. And our duty as Christians is to go out and share that with the rest of the world. So yeah, the Calvinistic viewpoint there in this concept doesn't line up. We would say, hey, the Arminianism is kind of a little bit more on the right track, but we're going to see uh, in the next couple points, both of them are kind of diverge from each other. All right, so let's move on. Irresistible grace. What's irresistible grace, Jacob? Yes, the idea of irresistible grace is 
what must I do to be saved? So it's about the, like the me side at this point. And this idea of grace is uh, accepting this gift that we didn't deserve whatsoever. So for Calvinism, uh, they believe that no decision is needed because Christ has already picked out, uh, you know, who's going to uh, be saved, who's not going to be saved. Since that's already been predetermined, there's no decision needed because we're eventually, we're already saved. Whereas Arminianism would say that man can resist God's grace. And we can even go further to say that like man can resist God's will as well. Um, you talked earlier when we were just discussing things about Jonah, how Jonah disobeyed God's will. He resisted it when he went the opposite way when God called him to go to Nineveh. And so if we look at this idea, like the biblical view would say that uh, we know that some people are going to resist God's grace and never be saved. Yeah, and it, it comes down to what it means to be created in the image of God. And a lot of that has to do is that God created us with a will, uh, an ability to choose or reject. And we see that early on in the garden. God sets up the law. He sets up his command. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve are told that very clearly. Um, and Adam and Eve willfully choose, uh, even though Satan does deceive him, Adam willfully chooses to eat of the tree knowing better. Uh, and so unfortunately we see that, yeah, man can break away from God's will, which is not a great thing. Um, it never leads to, to, to life. That's for sure. Um, with Calvinism. Yeah. And their idea is like you said, God has already kind of elected people. They actually kind of go to the point of, well, you're saved before you're saved. Like, God has to save you before you even cry out in faith that he's given you, which is kind of a what came first, the chicken or the egg concept. It doesn't line up with what scripture has to say. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. What does the Bible have to say about God's grace and his mercy and his gift to us? Yeah. So if we look into a couple different verses, second Peter three, nine says that he was patient or he is patient uh, hoping that we all come to him. He doesn't want to see any of us perish. Um, then we talked about Ezekiel 33:11, which uh, says that God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he wants to see the wicked uh, turn from their evil ways and come to him. Uh, we talked from John 12:32, which talks about how he, he draws all men to himself. Like he wants everyone to come to know him, to have that opportunity to be saved. And then we also talked about, which was a uh, rather long section, which was Romans 1, 18 through 32, which is uh, the, like this idea of the wrath of God was revealed and that like all men are without excuse when they see creation. Like just us being able to look outside and see like all the beauty that surrounds us should be enough to make us realize, wow, there really is a creator out there. Good. Yeah. And I just think about this it, it, from the biblical standpoint. God reveals himself to every man, not only through his creation, but through his word. He desires a relationship with him, which is why he hasn't hid himself. I mean, God came in human form in the person of Jesus Christ and revealed his plan. Yeah. Um, and so he's not hiding. He is very upfront with who he is, what he's like, and his call to us. Come to him, have faith in him, cling to him for salvation. And that's key to, to this whole section of theology. Um, one practical point that I, I'm going to highlight here is that, you know, with this principle, we have to remember that grace is a gift. It's a free gift that God gives to us. We need to accept it in faith. But what's interesting is don't forget that 
God's gift cost him a great deal. His son, or the person of Jesus Christ, the the second person of the Trinity, uh, God the Son, had to die on the cross for our sins. We reflected on that in communion this last week. His, His blood was shed for us, his body was broken for us, and the fact of the matter is, he gave himself for us, even though we didn't deserve it. So what that simply means for us is that we should not cheapen that gift by saying, hey, I can do whatever I want with it. No, this is not a license to sin, as probably some of you guys have heard before. This is a call for us to deeply appreciate and express our thankfulness for God's gift of salvation by the way we live for him. All right, so let's move on to perseverance of the saints, Jacob. Uh, what what does that all entail? Yes, this idea of perseverance of the saints pretty much means how long does my salvation last? Like, will my salvation be forever? Is it not? And so Calvinism uh, would say that salvation is permanent, that this idea that once you're saved, you can't be unsaved. Whereas the, uh, the Arminianism uh, or those that believe in Arminianism would say that man can lose their salvation. And if we, once again, go back to the Bible, which is the very first thing that we should do, if you look at this biblical view, we see that man can't lose their salvation if they truly believed, if they actually were sincere in that decision. They made sure that it was something that they truly believed and wasn't just something in the moment that they said because maybe they were having a moment or something like that. And this quote that uh, Joe said in Sunday school, uh, we need to personalize our relationship with Christ. And I think that's huge. Like there's There's people that can say that they know God. Like, for instance, we use the example of Judas Iscariot. He walked his entire life with Christ, but he didn't have a real relationship with him. And we see that when he, uh, you know, uh, betrays Jesus, sells him out, and then kind of he hangs himself in the end. And that's like, it's really sad, actually, when you think about it. But just because somebody says, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus doesn't mean that they really have a true relationship with him that has actually led them towards salvation. Yeah. And I also think about the apostle Peter who, you know, same thing traveled with Jesus for three and a half years in his ministry. When we get to the last week of life, he's denying Jesus three times. Now that, that seems like a call to abandonment here. I didn't know that man at all. But then when you get to John where he's by the sea of Galilee fishing again, Peter, Peter and Jesus sit down for breakfast and Jesus pretty much forgives Peter for that and accepts him back by asking him the question three times, do you love me? And we get this heartfelt expression from Peter that, yes, Lord, of course I love you. And Jesus says, then, hey, take care of my sheep, take care of what I'm I'm giving to you. And it's this welcome back. So we see that Peter, his sin was not, his sin seems great to us. He denied Jesus flat out. But yet Jesus brings him back in. He forgives him of that. We see it also later on in scripture with other Christians where they tend to kind of veer and do the wrong thing here and there, but then God brings them back. Um, we're never sure how the journey is going to really look. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you on this, that once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh, let's talk about some of the Bible verses before we move on to some of the other ideas. Yeah, so we focused in on John uh, 10, 27 through 29, which talks about this idea of eternal life and uh, that nothing can pluck you from God's hand, including ourselves. Like if we've made that decision, like it's final, it's real, like God is going to uh, honor that. Uh, We talked about uh, 
earlier in John, John 3.16, and then John 5.24, how once again it uses that idea of everlasting or eternal life. It's something that goes on forever and ever. And then one more verse that we highlighted was Ephesians 1.13, uh, this idea that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit came down on us, and that's something that we can't lose. Yeah, that seal is a permanent mark that only uh, that's only going to be opened on the day of redemption, which is uh, what I love about Ephesians 1.13 there. Um, yeah, and so what we see is that here we understand that once you are saved, your salvation is permanent. You are marked as a Christian. But let's talk about kind of the other end of this because perseverance of the saints wasn't always perseverance of the saints in Calvinism. It used to be preservation of the saints. And the reason they changed it was because there was some difficulty dealing with, well, what happens when Christians fall into sin and they struggle with getting out of it or they just they seem to turn away from God? Do were they ever really saved? Do they lose their salvation? And and that's kind of where this Calvinism, Calvinism and Arminianism debates kind of started with too, this tension of of what do we do? The Bible does make it very clear: Hey, Christians can fall into sin. We we can end up getting sidetracked. I think most of Paul's letters written in the New Testament kind of emphasize this point of walk worthy, learn to walk worthy deny or turn away from your old self, put off your old self. I think we talked about that in the past and put on the new self in Christ. We're supposed to be changed, but the problem is we still battle with a sin nature. And so the fact of the matter is Christians are going to struggle with that. Um, Demaeus was one of Paul's uh, helpers. And in one letter, he says, hey, Demaeus has been a great help. He's one of those guys who's been traveling with me. Uh, Love him. And then by the end of his ministry, and in his letter to Timothy, he writes, Hey, Demaeus left for Thessalonica. He's in love with the world. And it's, again, that Christians can fall into that trap. So, you know, how long does salvation last? The answer is, hey, forever. Once you are saved, you are always saved. But the call for us is to continue to grow and build our faith and to keep watch on ourselves because we can be attacked by Satan. He's always, as Peter said, prowling around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. He knows our flaws. He knows our weak points, and he'll attack them. So we need to make sure that we keep on watch for ourselves, and it's about accountability for, for us and to others as well, to help each other in our walks with Christ. So, Jacob, let's finish up then this whole theological point. Uh, what do we need to take away from learning about all of this stuff? Yeah, so I think the important question to ask is, what does this mean for me? Like after going through this idea from the last two weeks of the tulip and all that, and we kind of talked about this uh, before in last week's uh, podcast, but just this idea of like, it doesn't really matter in the end what man thinks. What matters is, is what God says and what his word says. And so we should be going to scripture for anything that uh, comes up in our daily lives. Like, so if there's something that's going on, there's a conflict between, uh, you know, maybe something that's going on at school or at home, like don't go to what man thinks. Maybe you, it's easy to go to oh, what some celebrity says or some uh, YouTuber says or something like that. It's easy to go to what man thinks. But what we should be doing first and foremost is going and seeing what God's word says about it. You know, maybe some of these things, there's some modern day things that you don't think show up in God's word, but the idea, the practical idea is somewhere there in scripture. And it's easy, pretty easy to find if you uh, take the time and really dive into God's word and research it and desire to learn it. 
And that's just kind of this overall theme here is, you know, we see man's alternating views of uh, how they interpret uh, God's word. But what they should have been doing first and foremost is going straight to God's word and seeing what God's word said about these ideas. And that's kind of how we should look at it too is what does God's word say about this and just about anything in life as a whole. Yep, and we want to encourage you to continue to read God's Word. When you deal with difficult situations, always check out what God has to say first. Uh, go to respected spiritual leaders or your parents who, uh, you know, if they have a spiritual background, if, the, if they're spiritually grounded Christians, they're going to probably have some guidance, help, advice, wisdom for you. So we want to encourage you to check with them as well. And always feel free to come talk to me, Jacob, or Pastor Paul. We'd love to answer these questions. We know that, that theological discussions are not everyone's favorite, believe me. Um, but the fact of the matter is they are important because theology is this study of God about his word, what he's revealed about himself to us. And we need to take his word very seriously and study it um, in a proper manner. So we want to thank you guys for joining in again today. We want to encourage you guys again to come out Sundays from 930 to 1030 for our youth ministries uh, Sunday school team class. Uh, We hope to see you there in the next couple of weeks. We hope that you guys all have a happy Easter and a wonderful Friday. Bye.